1: Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, BoilerHawk, aka Harrison Star, aka H D underscore star on Twitter, and I am joined, as always, by sad steak eating, happy steak <laughs> eating Ben Ross. It was ben, so how good. you doing?
0: It was so good. Drunk drunk on red meat after getting drunk on Iowa football. Um <sighs> I'm getting pretty good at this cooking thing, man. You know, I'm yeah. gonna make a, I'm gonna make a great wife one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just stay at home, make sure dinner's ready at five, and you'll be in in, in good shape, right? I mean, staying I mean, at home's the easy part now, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm become a professional stay at homer, and you know, cooking my way through some cookbooks, and I can finally learn how to make uh, a roux. So. <laughs> <laughs> so get yourself a man who can do both um, absolutely
1: yeah both cook a steak and and make a roux what what mm-hmm. what type of steak was it i don't think we discussed it on the instant pod but but now that we're here
0: it was um called a Delmonico steak which is just a fancy way of saying it's a ribeye but um cut thicker you know i felt pretty proud of myself um typically you know i'm not sure beef prices are like in arkansas but chicago you can expect to spend between 17 and like 25 a pound for um for for ribeye and i'm kind of a ribeye truther um i don't think it's the best cut of beef and i'm also just trying to cut down my beef consumption in general but i was in the grocery store and they had you know this great looking It said delmonico steak wrapped up and it was only like Ten bucks a pound, and it's, it's basically ribeye, <laughs> you know, right next to, <laughs> right next to it was ribeye for eighteen ninety nine a pound, and uh, it looked way better, and it was half the price. So I actually bought two of them, and I threw one in the freezer. Um, so I'll be a nice treat next time Iowa loses. So I'm gonna yeah. got So I got to take it out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me.
1: I I. I, I... I think – I don't know if ribeye is the best cut of steak, but to me it's the one that is the most worth it, at least in terms of if you're going to get a steak, if you're going to get some beef. It's like I don't necessarily want to just – because you have the red meat's a bad thing, quote-unquote, as you cut it out. But to me it's like if I'm going to do red meat, I'm going to get some fat on it. Um, which is why I'm a big fan of short ribs. That's that's what my wife and I do almost all the time our short ribs because those
0: they had. I've never cooked ribs before, but how, they had them for $7.99 a pound, and they looked really good at my store. I've just never cooked them, and I feel like that's a really good price for them. I realize they're getting mostly bone on them.
1: Yeah, I mean the the key is like and why they're they're probably not ideal cuts of meat, right? Because it's Basically, fat and bone. <laughs> if you get them, but if you get some good ones like at, at Sam's Club for us, um, there are some super thick ones that have mm-hmm. both the thickness and then also kind of the width to it um, that make it worthwhile. Or you could go to the Mexican meat market, those are probably where they're the best pre seasoned, and you know, you throw those on the grill and just.
0: My grocery store is actually a Mexican grocery store to begin with. I live in a pretty Hispanic neighborhood of Chicago and I actually love it. I'm able to get all types of like peppers and weird Mexican staples and not weird, but just, you know, new to me. Um, so I've actually been cooking up a lot of Mexican dishes cause I can get, you know, all these crazy chilies and spices and they're all fresh. Um, like Mexican sour cream and all that. So it's been pretty, then the butcher counter is like you said, they have all that. I haven't seen the pre-seasoned um, short ribs, but they, the butcher counter makes this great al pastor uh, that I can just fry up really easily. Uh, everything highly recommend but for short ribs. Like braising is the isn't that sort of the end all be all though?
1: I mean, it's I just grill them. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, the the very now this is gonna sound probably like an evil way to make steak, but um what i've done done the past couple times is pre-cut it because it's so fatty like mm-hmm. pre not necessarily a dice but close to it so that you can get the real nice caramelization all over now the flip side of that is you don't get a lot of you know rare to medium temperature on it but for kind of mass cooking and potentially having as leftovers that's kind of the way that we do it just because one uh, I don't know if it I, maybe lazy is the wrong word but sometimes I just don't trust my cooking with meat mm. so that's what we do with chicken all the time is pre-cut it and my uh, chicken breasts is just such a nightmare for us so we just cut it put it in a bowl or whatever and, and I translated that with the short rib um, and, and it it makes a good a good meat because then Instead of having to, when we would do it already, if we do it on the without pre-cutting it, you have to heat it up in a pan after you cut it if you have leftovers. So it's like, let's just do the pre-cut so we can nuke it later. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I get that. It's it's lazy probably. I don't know, um, but it's the way we like it.
0: I mean, yeah, uh, I never yuck somebody's yum. Um for me, you know, laziness isn't really a thing for me anymore. Cause I just have all the time <laughs> in the world to do everything. And like, since I'm cooking for one, almost, almost everything I cook is at least two meals, sometimes like as many as four. Um, but you know, I can spend all day doing meal prep Well, you know, while I'm also working on the side and be totally cool with, you know, I've been doing some kind of labor intensive meals and I'm fine with it. Honestly, I'm, Sometimes I like a little disappointed that something maybe took me a lot quicker than used to because now like I've seen everything on Netflix. I've seen I've watched all the TV. <laughs> like I had I had I'm you know I'm I'm out of books to read. I kind of had I had this hour blocked out of my night to do meal prep or cooking, and now I don't have to do it with my hands. I just have to rewatch Purdue for the third fucking time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that is quite the transition because. Then um, when we left it I think we were both just agnostic I don't know if that's quite the right word very accepting of the <laughs> Purdue loss but uh, in the time that we've had since then I guess I, I kind of wanted to use this space to talk about what are the takes that we think have changed the most since we uh, discussed uh, Saturday right after the game.
0: I think my take has changed the most, and I just arrived on it a moment ago. After I actually do have the Purdue game on in the background, and this is (laughs) the third time I've seen it. Um, Just watching that the Tyler Goodson's first long run of the first uh, to end the first quarter. You know, we said yesterday or on Saturday rather that we were okay with Mackay Sargent, and I didn't realize at the time even more revisionist history that Goodson didn't get the ball at all in the fourth quarter. Is that right?
1: That yeah. is real and history, we,
0: and I don't think we mentioned that. Maybe we did. Um, and now, like, and, but first, but we did try to get him the ball. At least, I mean, I know it's not the same thing as just handing him the fucking ball. But we did, you know, we had a couple pa- <laughs> We did have a couple passes to him in the fourth quarter that uh, he ran. You know, Wart ran, ran into one one, and or maybe a shot, and then I think he just o- was overthrown or underthrown the second uh, the first time. But I just think getting goods in the ball maybe a little bit more it would have done better in the fourth quarter, I guess I mean just from the ball it's I don't know what the passing to run breakdown was for play call in the fourth quarter um I just think they should have ran it more i don't I don't know well, like it's easy to say now,
1: because, yeah, like i was I was thinking about that and like very specifically because it's like what's the ideal number of snaps for Goodson? And I'm like, let 60%. I think 60% maybe the right number for him to be at, especially in terms of carries. Um, I, I think that kind of makes the most sense. You have 60%. And then I would, honestly, I think I'm arriving at the fact that I think Ivory Kelly Martin might be the better back to actually spell Goodson. And, and you use Sargent as that third down back. Um, maybe... Uh, that way, I mean, we're in third down all the time, right? So it's not like he's (laughs) not going to get plenty of snaps that way. But I think that that's been a formula that's really worked well for Iowa in the past, having the true number one, the number two, and then the third down back. Um, I I think that's that's something I would like to see. And they arrived at – 60% 60% of snaps for Goodson. Um, it, at least according to like you total them up. It's a little different because it doesn't necessarily yeah. shake out to 76 per, uh, snaps, but he was right at 60%. So I think I would just prefer that 60% being spaced out. So you have the ball in, even though Sargent was running very well up until that point, I'm not sure that he's the guy I want the ball in the hands of coming down the stretch of the game, trying to extend a lead, which I think we'll get to a stat here in a little bit. But I think Goodson's the guy you want the ball in the hands of um, coming down the stretch as good as Sargent was on Saturday.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of not to defend the coaching staff, but I mean, Goodson still had more snaps than Kelly Martin and sergeant combined and he oh, had yeah. more he had more than double snaps of sergeant which i was surprised to see um i'm curious you think uh I- ivory kelly martin is a better spell because he's just a little bit more like good he's he's faster than a little bit slipperier a little bit more faster than
1: sergeant but is
0: that sort of your reasoning
1: i think he adds a a Dynamism, what whatever, dynamism,
0: (laughs) dynamism,
1: whatever that word (laughs) is like. I I think that um, the speed he has is a level that um, Sergeant Sergeant definitely doesn't have. But I, I'm not sure Goodson quite has the the sheer straight line speed that Martin does. Um, Hmm. Maybe that doesn't necessarily bet itself out, and it's hard to make that. I don't know if
0: I I don't know if I believe that, but
1: he he had seven yards of carry in the very limited touches that he had. So I I think that if I my ultimate point is I think there needs to be kind of a clear role instead of like oh it's your series this time it's your series this time it's your series this time. Um, even though it did shake out to kind of the percentage I would like it to be,
0: is that kind of a clear role? Oh hey, here's your series, (laughs) like that. that (laughs) <laughs> that is a clear role, I think. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean, but at the same time, like it's not—it's not like they are they um, what's the word—the—the uh, the, it didn't seem arbitrary. Okay. The, the running backs who was in at what time didn't seem totally arbitrary.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Other, it other felt- than maybe
0: in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, maybe in the fourth quarter it was a little <clears throat> hot handy because I mean, yeah. Sargent was good and. Uh, It it feels like hitting Knicks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, that's the thing about losing a game where you accumulate 450 yards on, like, a lot of it feels good. So it feels like nitpicking. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately, like, the thing that I come back from, at least in terms of how the offense was managed, is just the way that second quarter ended. Like, just not to take a shot into the end zone. um, To me, it just feels like a total, total waste. Um, Especially when you look back at the scoreboard and the difference between the game was four points. Um, And I think this is the broad Farron's criticism, is that he opens himself up, and this is me speaking about Kirk, like, I kind of think the coordinators both had pretty good days. Um, But the mindset of having such low variance play, built in or low, trying to keep things as steady as possible, it, in my opinion, opens yourself up to the criticism that when you don't take advantage of the very clear high variance opportunities on the positive side, it doesn't make up for the natural negative variance that you're trying to protect against, but you're just going to have happen in a college football game. And I think that that single play being the difference potentially, because maybe Iowa, you know, maybe they score a touchdown, maybe they have an interception and then we're mad like, oh, why didn't they just cook the field goal? Um, But I think, you know, it's a, it's, that's the one single play that I just look back on. I'm like, that's the play that you just have in your back pocket for everyone to run it, to catch someone off guard. The play everyone knows that you will almost always run as an audible.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's something that should be like, it's not like you, you have that should be like one of the first things you practice, I guess. You should always have. Uh, a play when you're on the goal line and and you you know you you only have time for one play. Um, and d- do you just think? I don't know. Was there even an explanation? I, I didn't look at any press conferences. I honestly haven't read other than uh, document. I haven't read any type of media coverage at all um, on it. And I don't even know what are these these press conferences post game happening over Zoom.
1: I don't know how they're exactly happening, but I did see where he was, his one point was, yeah, I would have liked to have that play back. And well, I mean, yeah. there's, a, there, there's a lot of, oh, I would have liked to have Me too. back with Kirk Ferentz. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. kind of, that's the nature of having someone be head coach for 20 years. There's going to be a lot of, ah, I'd like to have that back.
0: <laughs> well, that's even, I mean, <laughs> the fact that he's been around for 20 years, he sees that situation Thirty times a year, right? Uh, and I can't remember. I mean, I guess that that was old Kirk. Him not. I mean, old Kirk would have just let the cock, clock run out, and we would have kicked the field. Like we don't even have run. A, run re, we would not have even run the running play. We just well. I
1: mean, old Kirk would have done everything he could have. The first two minute drill to get to halftime instead yeah. of flubbing that Mm -hmm. having to punt and then getting bailed out with an interception that you then Mm -hmm. are able to. So, I mean, it, it all is just like, it's, it's tough because it's like, there, there was a lot. I think that was good with that game, which is why, like, I think the, the thing that I've changed the most on is defensively. My, my, position was 24 points is enough. Um, Have you changed your mind? I I think that it seems silly to have uh, allowed David Bell to do almost, almost anything he wanted, not necessarily anything he wanted because he did have like 70 more yards on the same number of receptions last year against Iowa. But it seems like there was not enough of an effort made to stop him Uh, exclusively, and this is not specific to the touchdown, but as a broad how – what's the best chance for the defense to do well? Stopping David Bell should have been like items one, two, and three, and it ultimately didn't necessarily feel that way.
0: Instead of, you know, letting one guy – beat one guy as we've seen in other Purdue games in the past though Phil decided to let one guy beat 11 guys this time around and I mean yeah I guess it just shows and I asked you this before and you said that Iowa's offense plays better if or plays differently rather if Rondale Moore is playing for Purdue which I'm not sure I believe but it just makes me think even more that if Rondale Moore played this defense would have allowed double the amount of points like I just don't see any scenario where we win win it win this game with Ron, where Rondo Moore is on the is is playing, not nothing to say with even Jeff Brom, uh, if he's there. So, I guess your ultimate question is: Am I mad at Phil? I think yeah, maybe we are.
1: Yeah, because I, 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 I think the I liked how Barrington Wade played a lot of that game, but.
0: I think the front seven was fine. I really yeah. Did.
1: I, I kind of did. Um, it, especially if you include Hankins as the cash instead of Belton. Yeah. Um, I I think we were all excited about Belton because he was able to. Um, I mean, honestly,
0: I think you're 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 Dane Belton's biggest fan. I'll just say this or people. are like, right. I don't, I don't know anybody else as excited as excited about Dane Belton. And I just said this, having watched uh, his huge hit that uh, saved the third down conversion. Um, I mean, yeah, he played fine other than, I mean, he was kind of sort of directly responsible for the first touchdown.
1: But, I mean, yeah. But I think think it's different for... Because I think he's asked to be a star right now. Like, I think Iowa needs a star in the secondary because... It's the first time we
0: haven't had one since when? De- even who was uh, before Desmond King? We had Micah Hyde. Did, they, did their careers cross in over?
1: 20, probably 2013, before Desmond King was Desmond King. I would say that that's probably the gap between uh, Micah Hyde and um, King. Because I, I, Hankins had a very nice interception. I think he played well in the slot overall. Um, but there's just not the star like there there was last year with Stone obviously 2 years ago with Hooker he was
0: i would say even OJ i mean i love stone and i was actually about you you keep on
1: but i it, think I, I think the point is that iowa doesn't have a great to elite level defensive back like they have the last uh few years, maybe all of Phil's tenure, and that's that's a role that Iowa I think needs a little more than we realize to have kind of that one person who could lock down his section of the field and enable Phil to get creative with the other call it seventy five percent of it. Um that doesn't exist right now.
0: I mean I'll say from a personnel perspective, I think Iowa let misses Michael Oja more than Stone. I think if we have OJ mudia this game's quite a bit different. Uh, let us He's a senior. Stone four went his senior year. Or Ojo Media was a senior. He graduated. Stone four went his senior year to go to the draft. Um, I don't even know if he's still on a roster right now. I know he got caught by the Ravens. I don't know if he got re-signed. Um, but I don't think this game's any different if Stone plays. Do you? I think we still lose.
1: I mean, my over, point it, is
0: My overall point is...
1: It's I, I different think, if Ojo Media plays but maybe not different if Stone played.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's my point. That's fair.
1: Yeah. Because you're that's... still searching for that slot cornerback slash exactly. cash.
0: Yeah. Nothing Yeah, nothing changes. We could have, you know, Micah, who are the best safeties you can remember recently? Micah Hyde, Tyler Sash. You could have anybody, those two safety positions for this game. And I don't know, you know, the problems were the corner, uh, the man coverage, especially in the red zone.
1: I think bringing up Micah Hyde's an interesting point because he was the guy who went from safety, or excuse me, from corner. He went, he
0: went from corner to safety
1: to safety, and the two or three games that he played safety, it just went to hell—absolute disaster. So they had to move him immediately back to corner, and I think this is and that a way nice of saying he's
0: been—he's been a great safety in the NFL now for his whole career.
1: Right? He, yeah. <laughs>
0: Which is, he probably could have been a great. I think he might have come to Iowa as a wide receiver. Honestly, he uh, could have
1: been whatever he wanted to be. He honestly, he—he uh,
0: he was under—he was on some pretty bad teams. Um, I mean, I remember I covered as with the Daily Iowan that 2012 season, and I remember like receiving was such a problem that they, i know there are whispers that he was even playing receiver in practice, which is just bad. Uh, I mean, he's underappreciated. Um Adala hasn't really had—I I don't know—they actually they've had some guys kind of like him, I think, um, since his departure. But um, I mean, really, yeah, just the back, the, the 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 back four, the three corners we had. Honestly, like, I think Moss played fine. Rewatching, Moss wasn't as big of a liability as everybody <laughs> thought who's going to be, I thought, going to this game. Um, and I think you said it, and I remember you said it early in the game, you said you were out on anyone except for Hankins at corner. <laughs> and, yeah. They were
1: just getting torched.
0: I know, and Brent's missed quite a few tackles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's just... Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is outside. Maybe it's just not playing... David Bell, and, yeah. and that's I think that that's just kind of what it comes down to as a scary thing. I hate the fact that Iowa can get beat by one guy, and yet they can't apply that same logic to whether it's Tyler Goodson. I mean, uh, Dad made some good points about Amir Smith Marset getting injured, and then maybe not being 100% the rest of the way. That kind of takes away my initial... I'm
0: still I'm still waiting to... When did he say that happened?
1: It was on the reverse that he had. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I think,
0: that's, I think that's about to happen right now. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly.
0: <laughs> when was the last time... I mean, I know David Bell did this to Iowa last year, but we won that game. When's the last time you remember a single player just beating Iowa as much as Bell did? I'm sure it was recent. I'm just trying to.
1: I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, last year. He, I mean, he was amazing. Yeah. Out outside, okay. it would be it would be another Purdue receiver. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: it would have been Rondell Moore Mahungo. Years ago. Yeah, oh I
1: mean, yeah, that Mahungo. was yeah. yeah, that was one stat I had was each of the last six years, I was given up a hundred-yard receiver to Purdue. I mean, it's just what it is. It's how Purdue plays.
0: But you say each of the last three years, six, so, uh, six, God, yeah, six years ago.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, not <laughs> relevant. <laughs> it's uh, only relevant if Iowa loses that game, Ben, which they yeah. have three of the last four years. So that is so bad. I know. I know. Well, is, I, I
0: are the Brahms going to be at Purdue forever?
1: I thought that Louisville was. I thought Louisville was a shoe in. Was going to get him, but to me, I mean, Purdue ponied up in a way that they had not in the past. I I guess they finally found out what Big Ten money's like.
0: Um, I'm watching the reverse right now. Ooh, yeah, he immediately grabs his hamstring. Yeah, he he gets up right away. I mean, his body language is honestly fine. I don't know. I'm not, you know, an armchair doctor. And I guess my point after the game, and I don't think we talked about this at all on the instant reaction pod, but my my biggest qualm was just we were all I thought we were overlooking the fact that Amir Smith marset didn't have a catch. Like that's insane.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that I, I think from a Brian Ferenc standpoint bugs me the most it, because I I remember discussing. Maybe over hammering home on, on the point, just how clean it looked. Like Marsett was between kind of the line of scrimmage and five yards. I, mm-hmm. uh, is it too much to ask for maybe a little overemphasis on the way Greg Davis would have called the game?
0: So say, why don't we just try out a tunnel
1: screen from we try have out. The, we have the the horses?
0: Yeah, it just <laughs> I don't get it. And like that would have maybe would have helped Petrus um, get some rhythm too. If we try and force a couple, you know, I we blame Brian for forcing things before, but it kind of seems like this sort of paid dividends.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it's just like I, I think between that, I think that the lesson maybe with Petrus is Petrus Petrus. First, we gotta I gotta figure out It's how Petrus how it. it's Petrus. All right. it has
0: to be Petrus.
1: I, I think the lesson might be to have um a zone read for him within the first 15 uh plays have him just run the ball i think that the one the one time he did run it uh they mentioned he was a hurdler and he did show a little more speed than i expected so i think that that would be um one thing i would like to see more of at least in the script and then second 100% 100% screen game, and I, I think the snap counts were crazy because it was uh, Smith and Smith-Marset in the 60s and then Reganey and Tracy in the 20s, and that seems like we have four really good receivers. Why are two of them in the 20s for that? And, and part mm-hmm. of it's, oh, the running game was working like it was, but still...
0: Another thing I noticed, too, um, on the same drive, the one on the drive for he eventually scored the touchdown, but <clears throat> on second down right after the, the double reverse, Potter bomb, we went out for a, a flat route, and he got tackled. He would have been wide open and, and easy route, route to the touchdown. Um, it wasn't called. He just got chopped. The Purdue got, got away with a lot within the line of scrimmage, within five yards. Um and even on the other side of the ball, they were literally just setting up plays for David Bell. Um, just walls of our defensive backs getting mugged, and how do you like? How do you counter that? Like, I don't. It just felt like Iowa didn't do anything to, um, just game plan around the physical play that Purdue is uh, doing on. They were just chopping players the whole game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. Part of that is you hope that you get a call or two um, go your way. Like I, I think that from a you, you can't really complain about the refing, but it's mm-hmm. like that's part of it. Is you just hope that well, if they're actually interfering in the pass or, or interfering in the pass, then you gotta hope that they call it. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise why would you stop doing it if they're not going to call it? Like, I may think that that's, that's part of it. Um, But other, otherwise, I mean, you've seen, uh, you just need better instinctual play. I think um, if you're going to have like a, whether it's Wade or Hankins in the slot that come out and, you know, just chop David Bell right when he gets it. Uh, I think that that's probably it, but, can you scheme kind of that under route probably um, it just kind of, uh, it probably relies more on instincts than, than true scheme. Although, I mean, this is, I'm a little bit out of my depths here, but I think that that's really what, what you're trying to, to find the the focus on. And, and <laughs> again, there aren't many David Bells in this conference. Um, so shall we, God. <laughs> Move to a broader discussion after the break.
0: Sure. Does Northwestern have a David Bell?
1: <laughs> and we are back. And uh-huh. posed this question before the break: Does Northwestern have a David Bell? And I gotta be honest, Ben, I didn't watch a lick of their game. I haven't but seen a go play. Know that they uh, ran the ball like crazy. Um, Let's see if I have this. They had 325 yards rushing, which feels like an impossible number. That makes me want to have Iowa play uh, Maryland, even though they will not. (laughs) And they also uh, forced four turnovers three interceptions. Um, So I guess it is potentially very concerning to play Northwestern, a team that loves to play Iowa here in uh, this coming week when Iowa needs a huge bounce back. And I am not convinced that they will find it.
0: I'm just looking at the box score now. <clears throat> I mean, Northwestern ran 83 plays, which is a shit ton, and had 537 yards of offense and scored 40, 40, 43 points. Um, Peyton Ramsey, their quarterback, is he the guy who from Clemson?
1: No, Peyton Ramsey was Indiana, if my memory is correct. Yeah, is Indiana. Uh, really? Uh, looks like a grad transfer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, didn't they have a Clemson quarterback transfer?
1: That's how bad that Clemson quarterback was. It was Hunter Johnson.
0: Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, (coughs) The I mean, (laughs) how is this Iowa defense going to do against several? David Bells, I guess now. It's real. Quick. Oh, they
1: no, 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 don't don't do that. Don't make okay. that evil on me. Okay. Uh no, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe we should <laughs> from from an I.O. perspective. Well, what? I mean the
0: nice thing is at least for I mean, this game, I we mentioned, you know, the front seven looked really solid, and that's where 325 of Northwestern's yards came was on the um, on the ground, so you have to feel good about you know. Maybe it doesn't. The depth chart came out today. Jack Campbell wasn't on it again, um, but you have to feel good about Iowa. Might be rotating in defensive linemen a little bit more. We have you know two really capable interior defensive linemen. Um, even Justin Jacobs, uh, redshirt freshman linebacker, got some. He played 20 snaps and had some a couple of really nice tackles. Uh, I mean, I guess if we can maybe make this former Indiana transfer throw the ball, beat us with his arm, I, is that a, a game we want want to play?
1: See, this is where I, I just think that
0: well, This Ramsey guy had 50 yards himself. Iowa always does really well against rushing quarterbacks, so I'm not worried.
1: <laughs> i mean i think they've figured him out in the last 10 years um but like i, I think the thing that does concern me because it i mean you-, you do go back uh two years when Ramsey played for indiana he had 263 yards uh 73 percent passing but two interceptions against iowa and it does look like Iowa pretty well contained him 11 attempts for nine yards, but he did get one score, even though I, and I mean, Iowa, Iowa won that game pretty handily. Um, The the thing that concerns me is just if there's, there are a lot of people who I think are better at playing Kirk Ferentz's game than Kirk Ferentz. And the number one guy on top of that list for me is Pat Fitzgerald. I, I think The the over-under for this opened at 48 from what I saw, which is just um, a total indictment on this Iowa staff. And and pretty wild to see Northwestern put up 40-some points and still be a part of an over-under that's 48. So what that leads me to believe is they expect Iowa and Northwestern to play the game that Iowa and Northwestern have consistently played each of the last five to ten years, save a couple real high-scoring Iowa wins. Um, it, it's just going to be a rock fight, and I don't, I don't like that at all from a stylistic standpoint, um, espe- almost especially after kind of seeing the Purdue game play out the way it did, where um, they were very comfortable giving Iowa um, those rushing yards between the 20s and just kind of expecting Iowa to be hoisted by their own petard. And no. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Um, it, it, and I think that Fitzgerald is just a better defensive coach than Bob Diaco, and he has better defensive pieces like Patty Fisher, who I think can really make hay in this game, and some of those – four to eight yard runs that Iowa was able to crank out uh, against Purdue are going to be two to three yard runs, if not um, stuffs like they, Iowa only had, I think it was five runs for zero or negative yardage, which feels like a very different rushing attack than we're used to seeing. So um, I'm concerned that all of it kind of plays into the game that we just saw a a 24-20 type of game where um, Kinnick isn't going to be a factor. I don't know why there's a thing about going on the road. Like, Mm -mm. I I don't know why that would affect a quarterback. I, I honestly think that being on the road, it should be a benefit, right? Like, shouldn't the road be a benefit to a lot of these teams Um, so I, I just have a very bad feeling about this game. Um, even though like I predicted that Purdue would beat Iowa at the beginning of the season, it wasn't under the circumstances that it was. And it, uh, concerns me that that's how those circumstances played out. And I'm not convinced that Iowa necessarily has it in them to, Flip the switch. Uh, And that's just an Iowa-facing analysis without really thinking about Northwestern more specifically than what we've seen over the last Pat Fitzgerald years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess... I, I I don't know, man. Like, in these uncertain times, I don't know what to think. I don't know how to you know preview i don't know how, how to dissect i just have to think that you know Iowa bene- benefits just as much as anybody else i'm saying more with an extra week of practice um you have to trust this things are going to get sorted out i really hope you know we don't i hope you know we didn't already close a book on things like the wildcat or three-headed russian attack or You know, we didn't blitz a ton against Purdue. I I didn't see too much defensively that was new, um, which is fine. You know, I don't think we need to see new things out of this defense other than maybe covering the team's best playmaker. But other than that, like, I just have to hope that Iowa isn't going to cut off its nose despite its new nose, brand spanking new nose, despite its old face on offense.
1: Yeah, I mean let's let's talk about that because that that is what concerns me about Kirk Ferentz as much as anything is when he tries new things and they don't work out that gives him wide range to be like well those things didn't work we have to go back to the yeah. basics and it self fulfills itself when you can't operate even the basics as he would like to see as really any coach would like to see but him especially if you have ball security issues, it's almost like we can't necessarily expect, oh, all right, we're going to do the fun things now. We're instead of running outside zone to the boundary a couple dozen times. Like, I, I almost wonder if that's the way it's going to go because Iowa wasn't able to operate what they wanted, how they wanted, vis a vis false starts and. Uh, holding penalties and fumbles that it's going to be an even more basic game plan and and (laughs) that's just what scares me like uh, this is the year to just throw everything that you have against the wall and try and see what sticks schematically it it, it seems silly but almost forensic to go back to the most simplistic thing but I think that's where I'm at I'm sitting in my assessment of how this game's going to shape up.
0: Do you think we only saw the wildcat because it's
1: covid era? I mean, if we're being honest, I I would have preferred to see jet sweep action 25 to 30% of the time instead of the wildcat. Like I Okay. I get that the wildcat gives you a numbers advantage, but in a way it adds the things that Kirk Ferentz doesn't necessarily like, right? It adds mm-hmm. oh you have someone else's snap count that you have to worry about. You have to worry about you know them making the right read instead of the quarterback that you almost desensitize into making the most risk averse play possible. Now you're doing that with a running back. Um, I, I would prefer to see diversity of the run game in terms of a lot of motions instead of the wildcat, which is so old new that it's old again. Right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it just it just it seems unnecessary even for Kirk. But maybe it is. Maybe it's like, all right, guys, let's try mm-hmm. something fun. I know that we had a little rough go of it this summer, so wildcat.
0: Let's try it again. Um, I don't know. I mean, also, part of it is, do you think maybe he's appealing to players and maybe going to them for suggestions? I mean, no, not at all.
1: Ah, I mean, I think that, that that might be part of it. You know, it, and frankly, there are worse things to do when yeah. they try it. because, like, Because it didn't... It, it wasn't useless. It was solid, no. but wh- where it fits in terms of the overall scheme, it just seems like a, I guess maybe I would have liked to see a little more of it, but again, it's the first day, uh, the first time we're seeing them. So it's like, it does give Northwestern something else to think about, which I think is fair and, and as it does for the rest of the big 10. So may- maybe it busts off a big yard, big yardage play, um, but I would like to see it, on, it, see it be used more in the red zone where yeah. I was typically had trouble getting a numbers advantage. And when I say that, I mean specifically thinking about two-point conversions. So, huh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't want it to be just a one-day thing because well, that would seem like a, a huge waste of the small amount of practice time that they've had so far and will have throughout the, the course of this year.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, you know, as practice goes on, we can expect to see the playbook open up more. I, I you know, I wouldn't be surprised. We never saw Wildcat again. Um, but I just can't believe, I can't suspect that's going to be put into a drawer either. Um, especially with this personnel we have. Um Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, overall, I just – I think Iowa's mistakes are fixable. I feel like we say that every time. But it's definitely not a personnel thing or a talent thing in my eyes.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's why we had the thoughts that we did because I think our – our general perspective as a site, and specifically this podcast, is to try avoid being really pissed off at any player issues. So you just gotta hope yeah. that uh, you have all this stuff. It can get coached out in terms of false starts. You can figure that out. You can understand. I mean, now you know a rule. You're not allowed to pull anyone off the pile. Like, I mean, that's that's another thing. Like, yeah, I think. A lot of this stuff is fixable um, and certainly coachable. Especially when I think about the the three fifteen yard penalties I had, Iowa had, which was totally uncharacteristic. Um, I, I think a lot of that is. I know, yeah. y- You have it, and you can relearn. But ugh, the 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 one that you know, I, I I think that that's fair, and but we're also not going to see it until. We see it, right? And and they're going to have to put a couple games together, in my opinion, to feel comfortable about. All right, we can still kind of do it the old way, and because we have better players, we're going to have better results. I didn't, but it's still just—it's such a fine line, such a fine line that it opens Iowa up to if you have two or three horrible plays. That's. it's the, the drive.
0: That's yeah. It's the rub. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just weird. <laughs> I mean, typically under any <laughs> typically under any normal circumstance, if I was on one, even even if it was Big Ten schedule or non-con, I'd be feeling like the year is over. I really would. Um, maybe not conference because you can still win the conference, but you know, so we can seven and one still wins the West.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, that, that's the reason for optimism. Like, I, I think that that's kind of where heavy metal lawyer, I know he's a art and listener to the podcast. Like, I think that that's an optimism I wish I shared, mm-hmm. but I think it really does come down to, the point of these mistakes are fixable. Everything that you want's on the table, and you know if you're able to be vigilant every single freaking day, you can take advantage of a Graham Mertz getting COVID nineteen, yeah, and, and missing three games.
0: Wait, is you mentioned that the I don't know any of the COVID. So if you're positive with COVID, that's a three-game ban.
1: Yeah, Banting. it is. It is a twenty-one day guaranteed. Why is it more um, for
0: players than it is for coaches?
1: Because the players have the heart concerns that that um, the universities are particularly concerned about. Oh, and that's 65, 65 that's my understanding.
0: Sixty-five-year-olds don't have that.
1: Well, sixty-five-year-olds aren't necessarily exerting themselves.
0: Yeah, I know. Like they are. Obviously, it's not apples to apples, but (laughs) I just think that's kind of of funny.
1: No, I think the concern with coaches is that they can spread it to other players or, you know, be vectors of the virus, which to your point is interesting because, like, they are the highest risk. I mean, Kirk, God bless him, super healthy guy, but, uh, you know, the virus is the virus unless... (laughs) You know, it's just like rolling the dice. <laughs> yeah, it's just rolling the dice. You know, and, and when you're you're Not- older, you have less things you want it to hit. So ho- hopefully, you just don't have to roll the dice. And and it seems like Iowa's been pretty good here lately. Um, but there were indications by Kirk that they weren't necessarily between the mm-hmm. cancellation of the season and the uncancellation of the season so maybe that honestly that might have been what affected iowa as much as anything is that lack of vigilance um you know may have affected Uh, the early days of camp i suppose but who knows
0: yeah i've been saying this whole time during the pandemic you know play stupid games win stupid prizes and yeah it's what you reap what you sow
1: so, where are you standing with um with this this game?
0: Purdue or Northwestern.
1: Uh Northwestern looking ahead. Do you have an early prediction?
0: Um I mean, I, no, it's tough for me because like I said I haven't seen a single freaking snap. Um I just have to believe that Maryland I mean, is this a first year coach from Maryland too? N-
1: no, Mike Loxley. I thought he, he's still he was there. around it's yeah, I thought... Yeah, let's see. Mike Oxley. I thought they canned as ass. Wow, is. been around since 2000. This is his second season, full season, at Maryland.
0: And he has a 4-16 and 16 record at Maryland, so that's why I thought they canned him. Um, so I just tend to think that Maryland is a bottom-two team. As they have been always in the Big Ten, even when they were, they put up. I know they won their first game last year by like a hundred, and they were ranked briefly, and then never again. Um, and you just have to think that you Northwestern after is Pat Fitzgerald the dean of Big Ten coaches after Kirk?
1: Yeah. So you
0: you just is. have to think that Northwestern went into that game as well coached as you can uh, with a fifth year seventh year at quarterback and um just played their game and I, I I have to think it'll be a lot more even uh from a just because of the coaching standpoint and then the history between Kirk and Pat usually wipes away the records when these two teams play uh for better or for worse uh you know I'm not going to sit here and predict you know I have to be optimistic and predict and I will win but I'm not gonna be surprised by. Uh, I would be surprised by a blowout in either direction. I think it's gonna be a close, you know, one score win for either team.
1: Oh boy, oh boy.
0: What's the spread? I, uh, it,
1: Iowa minus three. Uh, oh, I, wow. Maybe Iowa minus two and a half. I think I saw it go down um, in the time between the opening line and now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that the stat and I. I been voicing this on the comments and on and I, Twitter.
0: It's Iowa minus two and a half right now.
1: Yeah. The the stat that scares me the most is just Iowa hasn't really done anything? Show, shown any interest is the wrong way to frame it, but they haven't been able to really extend leads in the second half in a way that, to me, is very concerning ahead of the, the Northwestern game.
0: That's always been a thing.
1: Yeah, it, it feels especially bad the last year. So I think that's going to have to be a an effort that I undertake um, to understand truly how, uh, how bad has this second half scoring been. Because we've all joked like, oh, he gets his lead and he likes it, right? And just kind of lets it go. Um, I, I think we see some adjustment at the beginning of the game to uh, assert Petrus a little better, um, get him involved in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, but my fear is that it it lasts for two quarters and we don't see much of it again. Um, so I almost think it'll be something like 17, almost, yeah, like 1710, 17, seven at half, Iowa. And would, it so ends would up you prefer not going their way?
0: Do you prefer Iowa to be down at half? That's what it sounds like you're saying.
1: Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's. But I it, Pat Fitzgerald just has Iowa's number. Like, he, he, he was so good two years ago that he convinced Kirk Farns to take you no know, fan off the field. So um i uh, didn't
0: think to me much convincing to take no offense off the field no matter what
1: so yeah i mean it's just i uh, i just have such a bad feeling about this game hope hopefully i'm wrong um i i think that iowa learned that the defense is going to need a little more help scoring wise i or at least i would like to think that that was a takeaway and if it's just a function of iowa fixing their mistakes maybe they do get to 30 31 points, but I think Northwestern is a better defensive team than Purdue, and that points are going to be a little more hard to come by for Iowa. Um, But you're right, I do have to predict a win, so I'm going to predict a uh, a win that is just outside of one possession. Let's call it 21-12 Iowa. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that.
0: I'm so mad this game's at 2.30. Just get these over with.
1: <laughs> yeah, if if, <laughs> if uh, uh, a hot Northwestern versus a uh, 0-1 Iowa team didn't have 11 a.m. All, all over it, I, I don't know what doesn't because that, that's exactly what it should be. Good thing we're getting that with Michigan State. I, I, I can't wait for Iowa's first 11 o'clock game.
0: But then after that, we play Minnesota at 6 p.m., uh, three of our first four games are afternoon or evening. Uh, I'm not here for it, man. I need to take my medicine right when I wake up, forget a few things three hours afterwards, and then be
1: done. Yeah, I mean, that, that might be a discussion we have next week is power rank the start times, because I think I... I just think, especially <laughs> from a TV perspective, the... There, there are few things that beat the 11 o'clock game. Um,
0: yeah, I, I kind of love it. I don't really watch the NFL anymore, but I think even noon is too late.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, you're just blue plate special in it right now. I though. know.
0: I'm turning into my – fa- <laughs> I have my father's son. Like, what is um, the old dead spin? I know they had a take, but it was like living on the East Coast was the best place because football started at 10 a.m., on Saturdays there, or would that be a West Coast thing? Time zone. Yeah, that then.
1: West Coast is yeah West Coast. It starts at nine. They're actually My playing a there. nine o'clock game. They're playing a nine o'clock game. Uh, I don't know if it's this week or next week, but a nine o'clock local local time start. What a awesome. Ben! That is awesome. Because because really like if we're if we're going to this like the best game on the football schedule used to be the Outback Bowl that started 11 o'clock Eastern. <laughs> so it was that 10 o'clock Central one. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is perfect way to, to start my New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So watching Sean Green eat all of the headball coaches players. Well, Ben, I think that does it for this week's edition of the Pants Party. I'm I may not be on the after party this this weekend, but w- we'll figure a way to to get something up. Yeah. Um, I so
0: I might, I might Bill Burr it. Just do it alone.
1: Uh, those are the best.
0: Yeah, I'm actually a Bill Burr truther too.
1: Oh, um, go on.
0: I think he's funny, but like at least my friend group thinks he's the funniest working comedian alive. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Uh, Did you see any of his SNL stuff?
1: I thought like
0: the monologue was cringeworthy.
1: Oh no, I like the monologue. The the, the worst part of the monologue was it was like old stuff. Like, it's like, yeah, we learned about this John Wayne interview years ago. I know. (laughs)
0: Um, I mean, I appreciate him, you know, taking a stab and doing the, you know, White woman Instagram thing. I appreciate that. I just kind of thought it fell flat. I will say the the Sam Adams sketch he was involved in, I think, was an instant classic.
1: Oh, I missed if that you, one. Oh, it in,
0: it's the same show, and it was truly one of the funnier sketches I can remember ever seen on SNL. Um, but like, no, my whole point is, I I don't know if it's his most recent Netflix. Sp- I during COVID from like March to June. All I did was watch uh, stand-up specials.
1: Between, Bill Burr specials.
0: Be, no, not just Bill Burr, but between <laughs> HBO, every on all between Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and HBO, I watched every stand-up there is out there. And Bill Burr, I don't know if it's his most recent or 2018. All I know is he was in England for it. Was bottom five worst stand-ups I saw during that stretch, without question. And he was the only, other than Jerry Seinfeld, he was the only everyday comedian who was in the bottom five of things I watched. Everyday household name comedian. And um, he has good stuff, but I just think it's really hit or miss.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that was... I I can't remember the London one specifically, but definitely the SNL stuff. It's his bit almost to try and sell... Jokes he knows are not going to land in his, areas.
0: His bit is taking like a rubber eraser to really edgy jokes, I think, and not trying to clean them up. But but yeah, maybe clean them up a tiny little bit, but still keep maybe the edgy point of everything. But it's not like I'm trying to think who you would compare him to. It's not. Just Mick. I, mean, Nick. I, right. I, I, mean, know, I worry about. Tough. And I think I've got problems with Jesselnik. I think he's hilarious, but at the same time, I think he's being edgy for the sake of being edgy. Um, Dude, like, Jesselnik, like, patronizes fans. Like, if somebody doesn't get a joke, he says, or if somebody doesn't laugh at a joke, it's like, oh, because you don't understand it. No, I didn't laugh because I understood the joke. Yeah, dead babies are funny to a point. But no, I didn't laugh because it's not fucking funny for the third time you make a dead baby joke on the same set. (laughs) You (laughs) you, you fucking (laughs) asshole. Like, I appreciate those jokes as much as anybody. Um, and I, he was actually the reason why I started the whole binge. I just landed upon him. I'd never heard of just before. And I mean, his, his timing was really like, it reminded me of, um, Mitch Hedberg. R.I.P. Mm. Um, and I appreciate so much of selling jokes, but he's like, the, he's like, and I think it's part of his bit too. I know he has like a normal podcast with an NFL guy who they were like high school friends or something. And his bit is just to be dark and gross, and in real life he's kind of a normal person. But he does a really good job of hiding it, uh, too. Oh yeah, like he doesn't. He's not really on social media. I think he he's basically going to be Anthony Jaselnik, the edgy stand comedian, until he retires.
1: Yeah, that I, I've listened to that podcast. I went through it. Like when when I was super bored.
0: Is it Albert Breer? Is that his like childhood friend? I know it's an NFL Network guy.
1: It's uh Greg Rosenthal. That's and it. it's it's pretty good. I, I do do have to say, but yeah, I mean, I think Justin Nick does a really good job of for his stand up and for even that podcast just being and whatever social media he does. It's always almost exclusively dark humor. Like, I I think he does a great job of making people Mm -hmm. think that that's actually who he is. Yeah. And the podcast, you do have some of those moments where he gets a little meta about it, Mm -hmm. but then comes back and will hit you over the head with him being his character. And I think that that's that's unique in, in my view during this time because so many people, it's easy to have who they are affect how you see things, and when your character is like Jesselnick, and to not really have your alter ego actually look and feel like an alter ego. I think that that's pretty interesting. Um, but he does a
0: good job too, like with his facial hair. He dresses the part. Wears black <laughs> only when he's doing stand up. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he's. I realize, and I I kind of want to seek out some old episodes, but you know, Comedy Central gave him a TV show uh, from like 2011 to 2014, I think. Um, so, I mean, it was there. Maybe it was before his time. It's just I don't know. I'm just having kind of this fascination with stand-up comedians during this. Uh,
1: that that's a that's interesting. I, I we're running long, but I think it's an interesting thing because stand-up comedy is such a. A thing to be done in isolation. I think it's interesting to see you gravitate towards that as at least early on kind of a, a new interest of yours.
0: Well what got Do me Do you into see it, parallels
1: there? Or is well, it
0: No, absolutely. And here's what my obsession got into it. I don't so I think I mentioned on an old podcast that at night to like wind down, um I started watching all you can find every single uh Johnny Carson old show on YouTube. They're all on there. And so I started watching them and you know the YouTube algorithm just kept on spitting old ones out. And then eventually one night it it spe- it spit out a set from Dan Carlin from I think it was from 1950. And it was on another talk show. I don't even know who the host was it wasn't Carson. But his stand-up you could have taken and this is from 1950 I'm gonna send it to you maybe we'll put it on the show page if you took it and placed it in today during everything that's going on right now in the entire world or in the United States proper with, you know, he has a joke about protesting and racial injustice and the KKK and, um, you know, white, you know, women finding their place in society and all of that. And this is in 1950. It just sort of made me realize the echo chamber and the vacuum. We are finding ourselves in, like, time is a flat fucking circle. Nothing has changed. At all. (laughs) And it was just like, that blew my mind. And I was like, you know, and then another thing that got me onto it too is like, so you, I don't, this is getting long. I don't really like Joe Rogan at all. And I, I could yeah. do an entire, I could do a whole podcast on him, but I think one of the smartest, and I listened to him because he's got, I think he's a good interviewer. He gets good guests, but I also, I think he is 98% full of shit. But he said, you know, he thinks the smartest people alive are, um, comedians, and he thinks that most politicians should be comedians, or he said this because, like, politicians are just like really good speakers, they're good at communicating their ideas, and they actually have a harder job because it's easier to be funny than it is to be in some cases, than it is to be black or white about it. And so, I just started then just started he was talking about these old politicians who should have been comedians, and I was just doing some more research in that, and that would got me down this whole stand up comedy rabbit hole. Um, what was the point with this? I forgot already.
1: Somehow we were talking about whether Burr was a good comedian, but I, there was something in there that you said that I think we can use to wrap this up. You said the more things change, the more, more. they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Time is a flat circle. Kirk Ferentz is a flat circle. Yep. So Ben Ross, a.k.a. Renboss on Twitter Right? I got that right.
0: Yeah, that's right. Don't try and find me anywhere else.
1: Alrighty. <laughs> I am Harrison Starr. That is the Pants Party. Oh hey, no, not,
0: not Dan Carlin, George Carlin. Excuse
1: me. Oh George Carlin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know I didn't know if Dan Carlin was also a comedian. No. But no. that is the Pants Party. Talk to you later, Ben. Bye bye.